our Bibles, you're there in 2 Timothy. Go with me just real quickly. Keep your place there in 2 Timothy and go with me to the book of Acts just real quickly. Acts chapter number 17. Acts chapter number 17. And I want you to just look at one verse in Acts chapter 17. As you know, we've been going through a series on Sunday mornings on the subject of separation. And uh, if, you're, if it's your first time here, uh, you're just kind of coming in in the middle of a series. And I want to encourage you to uh, maybe go back on our website or pick up a CD in the back. Uh, I want to encourage you to at least listen to the first sermon in this series entitled, Be Ye Separate. We kind of laid a foundation in regards to what we mean by separation. And we're talking about being uh, different, holy, separated, uh, set apart for God. We're separated from the world unto Christ. That's what we've been talking about. We started this series uh, with a question, uh, you know, if you were on trial for being a Christian, w- would there be enough evidence to convict you? And for some of you, the question would be, would there be any evidence at all uh, to, to bring against you? And we've been talking about this and dealing with different subjects. We talked about alcohol and we talked about separation in and, and our relationships and things of that nature. This morning, I'm going to bring to you a sermon or a lesson uh, on a subject that can be fairly touchy to some. I want to speak to you on the subject of your appearance or our appearance, the way that God would have us to look, the way that God would have us to dress, the standards that God sets for us in our lives. And here's what you need to understand about the Word of God. The Bible has the answers for every area in our lives. God, the Bible, God talks about everything. God tells, there's nothing that God leaves up for a question mark where he says like, well, you know, that's kind of just whatever. Uh, God addresses all things. He even addresses the things that he tells us that are up to our choice. And I want to talk to you about this uh, this morning. And I realize whenever I speak on this subject that many of you, this may be the first time you hear a sermon like this or a message like this, and you maybe not seen these things. If you're there in Acts chapter 17, I just want to give you some introductory statements just to kind of set the tone as we move forward this morning. Acts 17, if you look at verse number 11, the Bible says this, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. The apostle Paul just got thrown out of town and he finds himself, he leaves Thessalonica, he finds himself in Berea and he comes to this church and here's what he says about what the Bible says about these people. He says that they received the word with all readiness of mind. I want to just encourage you this morning, especially for those of you who maybe this is new to you. You say, I've never even heard this. I didn't know the Bible taught these things. Uh, first of all, that's just a sad uh, statement in regards to Christianity today. Christianity is so shallow today, and so many people say they preach the Bible, but they don't really preach the entire counsel of God. They don't really preach everything the Bible says. But I want to encourage you to just uh, today, just to have a ready and receptive mind, to be ready uh, to hear what the Bible says. And a question that I've been bringing up throughout the series on separations is, you want to ask yourself, does it even matter what the Bible says? Does it matter what God's Word says? So I want you to uh, take this sermon with a ready and receptive mind. But I also want to encourage you to not take my word for it. I don't want you to say, well, that's what Pastor Jimenez preached. That must be uh, what it is. Notice how the Bereans were in Acts 17, 11. It not only says that they received the Word with all readiness of mind, but then it says this, that they searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Now, we're going to look at a lot of Bible this morning. I need you to kind of wake up a little bit and, and be with me because we're going to be moving through a lot of different Scriptures. I want you to try to keep up. I'll do my best to give you the references multiple times and help you get there. If you can't get there, though, I want to encourage you to take notes. 
I want to encourage you to write down these references and go home and search the scriptures for yourself. Because here's the thing. You've got to come to the place where you decide, what do I believe about these different issues? What do I believe? And ask yourself, what does the Bible say? Does it matter what the Bible says? Go home and study it for yourself. Let me say this. We're not here to be critical of others. We're here to learn the Bible. We're not here, you know, it's easy, especially when you start talking about the exterior. It's easy to become a hypocrite or a Pharisee. And we're not here to be critical or look at other people and say, well, you know, you don't believe with us or you don't agree with us. That's not our point. My job as a pastor is to preach the word of God and allow it to, to go wherever it's going to go, to, to go whatever earth it's going to be received in and to help you learn uh, the scripture. So this morning, I want to give you three biblical principles in regards to guiding the way we ought to dress, guiding the way we ought to appear and our appearance. Can you make your way back to 1 Timothy chapter 2? 1 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse number 9. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 9 is where we read this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9. And I want you to notice verse, verse 9 there. The Bible says, In like manner also that women adorn themselves. I want you to notice these words, In modest apparel. In modest apparel. The Bible says, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. With shamefacedness. And I just want you to make note of the word there, shame, and that word shamefacedness, and sobriety. Not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Now, this is actually in reference to the way women ought to dress, and the Bible often refers to a lot about how women ought to dress. And I, I think the reason for that is because uh, a lot of women care about how they dress, and God realizes that that's an issue uh, for them. And a lot of guys don't really care what they look like. I mean, we, we got a whole, all sorts of examples here this morning uh, of guys that just look like they just kind of got up and didn't really even, you might not even own a mirror, you know, you just kind of got here and that's fine, you know, but, but the, the, the principle is this, and for those of you taking notes, I want you to write this down. Clothing principle number one is we had a dress for modesty. We had a dress for modesty. Look down at 1 Timothy 2.9 again. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. With shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly, right? Now, the word modest means this. Here's the definition of the word modest. Having or showing a moderate or humble estimate of oneself, free from vanity, egotism, boastfulness, or great pretensions, free from ostentation or showy extravagance. Uh, you know, you often heard people say, oh, I, I live in a modest home, meaning the opposite of showing off, the opposite of being extravagant, the opposite of being uh, flashy. The word shamefacedness means modest or bashful, showing shame. The word sobriety means a state or quality of being sober, uh, temperance or moderation, especially, of course, we use it often in the, in the, in, in the terms of alcohol. It, it, the word sobriety means seriousness, gravity, solemnity, uh, solemnity. So here's what you want to understand. God says when we approach our dress, we ought to dress in a modest way. And here's the point, is to not bring attention to ourselves. The way you and I dress, the whole goal of dressing is not to bring attention to ourselves. It's not to, to, to dress in a way where we would walk in a room and everybody would look at us and say, well, look at that person, or look at how they're dressed, or look... And either good or bad, you know, God says that we are to dress modestly. When it comes to how we dress, the goal ought to be, when you look in the mirror, you ought to ask yourself this question, am I dressed in a modest way? And you say, well, what does that mean? Here's what we're asking. Am I dressed in a way that brings or attracts attention to myself? Go to the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 3. You're there in 1 Timothy. You go past 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, into the book of 1 Peter. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James... 
and you'll find 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 3, and look at verse number 3. Notice where God puts the emphasis. 1 Peter chapter number 3, and verse number 3. 1 Peter 3, 3 says this, Who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning. Notice what he's saying is, our emphasis ought not be on the exterior. Our emphasis not be, ought not be on that which is outward. He said, who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning. He says, don't focus on the exterior of plating the hair, of wearing of gold, of putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. He says, your focus ought to be on the interior. Your focus ought to be on the inner man, the renewed man. He says, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, great price. Now, again, we see these verses and we see them in the context of women, but this applies to men as well, especially in our you know, society today, our metrosexual society that we find ourselves living in. A lot of guys, you know, I mean, there are some guys who spend more time on their hair than their wives do and spend more time on their wardrobes than their wives do. And the idea is this. When we dress, we ought to dress with the goal of modesty. We ought to dress with the goal of not bringing attention to ourselves. We ought to dress with the goal. See, when you got saved, the Bible says that Christ is in all, and Christ is your life. Christ is my life. Everything I am, everything that, I, that, I, that I, my life is, is about the Lord Jesus Christ. And my entire life ought to be bringing glory to God, not bringing glory or attention to myself. I, I like to use this example. I've used it. Uh, I use it multiple times, but I, I want to use it again. Uh, to give you an example about, because it's easy for us to understand, you know, modesty in regards to, 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 to women. Uh, but let me give you an example of modesty in regards to men. Here I got a picture of a man. I don't know if you can see that. Can you see that in the back? You able to see that? I guess it depends what your eyes look like, what your eyes are like. But I got a picture of a man in a nice uh, charcoal suit. Now let me ask you a question. If this guy walked into church this morning, how many of us would turn around and just say, whoa, look at that guy? I mean, this, this guy is just looks like he got dressed up for church. In fact, the suit I'm wearing is very similar to that. Uh, I, you know, other than the fact that I'm a lot more muscular than this guy, uh, I'm pretty much, you know, look like this guy. You know, you just walk in and no one would say, oh, wow, look at Pastor there. Look at that nice uh, gray charcoal suit that he's wearing. You know, you would just say, well, that's a nice looking guy. Now, what if Pastor Jimenez walked into church this morning and he was wearing this suit? I always, I always joke around with Brother Vincent about this because he's got a suit that looks like this. He tried to wear it for choir once. I said, Brother, can we, just, can we at least take the, flower, the, the feather out of the hat? You know? But anyway, what if I walked into church dressed like this? You think you'd notice? Now, look, there are some pastors dressed like this this morning, not too far from here. Now, here's the question I have for you. Which one's, which one's flashy? Which one's extravagant? Which one would cause someone to say, whoa, look at how that guy's dressed? He found leather shoes that match that red, really. Which one, let me ask you this, which one's modest? Which one doesn't bring attention to yourself? See, when it comes to clothing and it comes to our dress, we ought to dress in a way that our goal is not to bring attention to ourselves. Our goal is not to cause people to look at us. Our goal is not, you know, for, for women... You know, let's go ahead and get highly practical. Remember when we started this series, I told you, if you're looking for a reason to be mad at Verity Baptist Church, you're going to find it in this series. And some of you already have. But let me give you another series, another reason. You know, let, let's, let's just be uh, logical for, for a minute. Ladies, when you, when you get up in the morning and get dressed, what is the point of wearing a shirt that is low cut, that exposes your chest, if not to bring attention to yourself? 
I mean, what, what is, the, is there any other reason why a woman would have to put on a, a shirt that is low cut in order to expose herself other than to just get people to notice her or people to look at her or people to, uh, you know, uh, bring their, uh, uh, their eyes that way or attention that way? And the point that we're trying to make when it comes to the way you dress, you ought to dress in a way that is meant to not bring attention to yourself. What's the point of these skin-tight dresses? I don't know how you get in them in the morning. You know, you got to silk them up or, you know, put oil in them or something just to squeeze them around your body, you know. But what is the point of that if not to bring attention to yourself? What is the point of that if not to just have someone look at you, have somebody uh, stare at you, have, uh, get somebody's attention? See, when God says that we ought to dress, when God says that we ought to, uh, uh, you know, clothe ourselves, he says the way we ought to clothe ourselves is with this idea of modesty. The first principle I want you to notice in Scripture is a principle of modesty. We ought not dress for attention. We ought not dress to bring people's attention to ourselves. Let me say this, because ladies, sometimes, you know, you'll preach this and then they won't understand. Here's what I said. Not flashy. I didn't say ugly. You don't have to dress ugly. You don't have to look like a bag lady. You don't have to, you know, look like a bag lady and say, what's wrong with you? Well, you know, I'm right with God. That's why I don't, you know, I've washed my face and I've been shaved and weeks now, you know, because I'm a Christian. That's not what we're talking about. We never said you can't look nice. In fact, let me read for you. You don't have to turn there. Proverbs 31, famous Proverbs 31 passage about the virtuous woman. Let me read to you what the Bible says about a virtuous woman. It says, She, the virtuous woman, maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. We're not talking about being dressed ugly. We're not talking about not having nice clothes or, or, or taking care of your body or, or, or looking nice or dressing nice. What we're saying is to dress in a way that brings honor to Christ is to dress modest apparel, to wear clothes that are not going to bring attention to yourself, to wear clothes that are not going to cause men to lust after you. Ladies, Jesus said this, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And as wrong as it is for a man to look at a woman in a, that he's not married to in a way, in a lustful way, you know, it's just as wrong for that lady to dress in a way to try to tempt men to look at her in that way. So when God talks about the way we ought to dress, he talks about this idea of being moderate, to, about having modesty. Not ugly, not, you know, old, not dirty. He just says we ought not dress in a way that is meant that the purpose is to bring attention to ourselves. Now, go with me, uh, keep your finger, or go, go with me to the book of Leviticus real quickly. Leviticus. In the Old Testament, you got the book of Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. Leviticus chapter number 19. Let me go ahead and deal with with another subject that might offend some of you. Leviticus chapter 19. Let's talk about tattoos. What is the purpose of a tattoo, if not to bring attention to them? Now, listen to me. I understand there are people in our church, I think like half of the people in our church have tattoos. I'm not, I'm not against you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not upset with you. You have a tattoo. You got a tattoo, whatever. That's, that's fine. But let me talk to you, especially you young kids that haven't got a tattoo, or those of you that are consider, you know, saying, well, I'm thinking about getting a tattoo. What does the Bible say about tattoos? You know what the Bible talks about everything? But God left nothing up for question. Are you there in Leviticus 19? Look at verse 28. Notice what the Bible says. And you've got to ask yourself the question, does it matter what the Bible says? Leviticus 19. Look at verse 28. Leviticus 19, 28. Notice what the Bible says. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead. 
nor, you got to underline this, print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. People often try to say, oh, well, you know, it says you're not supposed to print any marks upon you for the dead. No, it says you're not supposed to make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead. This is a separate statement, nor print any marks upon you. God, God says, he, and by, here, here's the point I'm trying to make. God made you exactly the way he wants you. The Bible says you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. And here's what you've got to understand. If God wanted to put a fairy on your lower back, he would have done it. If God wanted to put a burning cross on your shoulder, he would have done that. But God made you the way he wants you to be. And here's the question I have. What's the point of a tattoo if not to bring attention to yourself? See, when it comes to our appearance, we ought to dress, we ought to appear, we ought to take care of ourselves in a way that is meant, number one, to dress or to appear for modesty. To not bring attention to ourselves, to not appear or dress in a way that brings attention uh, to us. So point number one, uh, clothing principle number one, is we ought not dress for modesty. We ought to dress for modesty, excuse me. Number two, clothing principle number two, for those of you taking notes, write this down. We ought to dress to cover nakedness. We ought to dress to cover nakedness. Now some of you are thinking to yourself, well, pastor, that's obvious. That's the whole point of clothes, is to cover our nakedness. All right, go with me to the book of Revelation, just real quickly. Keep your finger, do me a favor, keep your finger in Leviticus. We're going to come right back uh, to that part of the Bible. But go to the book of Revelation, last book in the uh, Bible, Revelation chapter number 3. Let me show you something interesting in the Bible about this idea of nakedness. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Look at verse number 14. Revelation chapter number 3 and verse number 14. Notice what the Bible says. Revelation chapter 3. And verse 14, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, and by the way, this is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking in your Bible. Your letters will be in red if you have a red letter edition Bible, and that's because the Lord's speaking, Jesus. says, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, notice what they said, I am rich and increased with good and have need of nothing. That's what they said. But notice what the truth is. And no, it's not. Here's what Jesus said. He said, you said I'm rich. You said I'm increased with goods. You said I have need of nothing. But here's what you don't know. And here's what Jesus said. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind. Don't miss this. And naked. Jesus said, you know what you don't know? What you don't know about yourself is that you're wretched. What you don't know is that you're miserable. What you don't know is that you're poor. What you don't know is that you're blind. And then he says this, and what you don't know is that you're naked. And you say, could somebody be naked and not know it? And notice what he says, verse 18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed. And that the, make note of this word, shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. I want you to notice that Jesus said that there are people walking around naked and don't even know it. And you say, well, what is that in reference to? And here's what you have to understand. Did you keep your place in Leviticus? Go back to Leviticus, but I don't want you in Leviticus. Go to Exodus. So right before the book of Leviticus, you got the book of Exodus. Even if you lost your place, it should be fairly easy to find. Second book in the Bible, Exodus 28. Here's what I want you to understand, okay? God's standard, what God defines as nakedness and what the United States of America in 2016 defines as nakedness are two different things. Okay? 
when God looks down and says, there's a whole lot of people walking around naked and don't even know it. And, and, and our society would say, well, well, who's running around naked and wouldn't know it? I mean, wouldn't you know if you were naked? And, and, and the answer to that question is this. What God defines as nakedness is different than what our society defines as nakedness. What God calls nakedness is different than what you and I call nakedness. Now, let me show you a couple things in Scripture. God tells us. Again, I told you, God has the answers in the Bible for everything. God tells us everything in Scripture. And God defines for us what nakedness is. Now, let's start with something we'd all agree on. Exodus 28, look at verse number 42. Exodus 28, verse number 42. Exodus 28, 42. Notice what the Bible says. And thou shalt make them linen breeches. Now, the word breeches is uh, referring to pants. Uh, it's a, the way you and I would say that word today, even an older word still, but the modern uh, way to pronounce it would be breeches. And he's talking about the priest here, and he said, I want you to put a pair of pants on the, pre- on the priest. He says, and thou shalt make them linen breeches. Notice what he says, to cover their nakedness. Now, he's going to explain to us what nakedness is. He says, from the loins, even unto the thigh, they shall reach. All right. Now, the definition of the word loins is a part of your body between the hips and below your ribs. All right. The reproductive organs, right? That's what God refers to as nakedness. So he said, I want you to cover that up. I want you to cover this area between your hips and below your, uh, your lower ribs, you know, the reproductive organs. He said, I want you to cover that up because God defines that as nakedness. And you and I would probably all agree that, yes, that is nakedness. Let me give you another example of what God defines as nakedness. Go to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 20. Isaiah chapter number 20, and look at verse number 4. If you go towards the end of the Old Testament and you find those big prophet books, you got Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Go to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 20. And look at verse number 4. Isaiah chapter 20. And look at verse number 4. Notice what God defines as nakedness. And I think you and I would all agree with this, hopefully. Isaiah chapter 20, verse 4. So shall the king of Assyria lead away the Egyptians prisoner, and the Ethiopians captives, young and old. Notice what he says. The naked and barefoot. Even with, notice these words. Their buttocks uncovered to the, notice this word, shame of Egypt. All right? So what does God, you know, consider nakedness? Your backside. You're behind. Now, hopefully all of us would agree, that's nakedness. You know, the front side is naked, the reproductive organs, the back side is naked, uh, what God uh, describes there for us. Now, go to the book of, you're there in Isaiah, go to chapter number 47. You're there in Isaiah 20, just a few chapters over to Isaiah 47, and look at verse number 1. Let me show you what else God defines as nakedness. Isaiah 47, look at verse number 1. You're there in Isaiah 20. I told you we're going to look at a lot of references this morning, so it's going to be kind of like a Bible study. That's all right. I think that's why you came to church to study the Bible. Isaiah 47, look at verse number 1. Isaiah 47, 1, notice what the Bible says. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground, there is no throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans. For thou shalt no more be called tender and delicate. Take the millstone and grind the meal. Uncover thy locks, make bare the leg, uncover the thigh. Now I want you to notice that phrase, uncover the thigh, Pass over thy rivers, notice what he says in verse 3, thy nakedness shall be uncovered. Yea, thy shame, notice the word again, shame, shall be seen. Now, he, he, told, he, he says there to uncover thy locks, referring to your hair. We're going to talk about the hair here in a minute. And then he says to uncover the thigh, all right? So two things we're, we're told to uncover. And then he says thy nakedness shall be uncovered. So when he said uncover your locks, and then he says uncover your thigh, and then he says, when you uncover one of those, you just uncover your nakedness. Which one do you think he's referring to? 
Is it the hair? Is it exposing our hair make us naked? Probably not. And the fact that the second term, uncover thy thigh, is, is the closest to this idea of thy nakedness shall be uncovered, yet thy shame shall be seen. You've got to understand this. In the Bible, God not only defines your uh, reproductive organs and your backside as nakedness, God defines your thigh as nakedness. And, and you say, well, I never knew that God defines your thigh as, as nakedness. And that's why... Today, you've got a whole lot of people running around in parks with short shorts, in churches with mini skirts, on beaches with bathing suits on, exposing their thigh. And God would say, people don't even realize that they're naked. And, and somebody on a beach would say, well, that person's not naked. And you've and you got to ask yourself this question. Really? You don't think they're naked? They, they, they've got a bikini on, they've got a bathing suit on, they've got a, a pair of shorts on. And, here, and here's what's so hypocritical about our society. If somebody walked in today and sat down for Sunday morning church in a bikini, or if a man walked in, you know, with just, you know, uh, uh, shorts on and no shirt, no, no pants, no socks, no, you know, just barefoot, just shorts, you and I would say, well, that's inappropriate. Well, that's not acceptable. Well, you've got to ask them to leave. But yet you'll go and dress that exact same way, you know, at a pool party or at a beach or at a lake, and all of a sudden now it's okay. And listen to me, you've got to understand, God is a God of black and white. God is not the God of situational ethics. This is right in this area, but it's wrong in this area. If it's wrong in church, it's wrong at the beach. If it's wrong, you know, at church, then it's wrong at, 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 the, at the pool. If it's wrong, here's what you understand. God defines your thigh as nakedness. So when you dress, ladies, when you dress, men, you don't think there's guys running around with short shorts today? Some, I mean, it's a new fad. You got young people, you know, these, like I said, this metrosexual society today is trying to go back to the 1970s. These guys want to have these little short, you know, shorts on. And listen, God says, cover your thigh. Why? Because it's nakedness. So when we dress, and, and by the way, let's go back to the idea of modesty. What would be the point of exposing your leg, ladies, that much, if not to bring attention to yourself? What would be the point of exposing your leg that much if not to have somebody look at you? So when we dress, when we uh, present ourselves, you know, we ought to dress. You know, the first principle we find in Scripture is we ought to clothe ourselves for modesty. But number two, we ought to clothe ourselves uh, for nakedness, to cover our nakedness. And and, and by the way, let's go ahead and make some applications. You know, this is where... People like to get offended. I don't believe Christians, Christian ladies, Christian men, ought to wear uh, bikinis or speedos. I don't think they ought to wear short shorts. I don't think they ought to wear mini skirts. I don't think they ought to wear short skirts. Why? Because they revere your thigh. And by the way, let me just go ahead and take it a little further because you guys are already mad. We already lost. <laughs> so let's just go ahead and finish it up. I'm also against this style. The, the, the women today, and, and fundamental Baptists think, they think, oh, okay, well, Pastor said, you know, I can't show off my thigh, so I'm just going to wear a short skirt anyway, but I'm just going to put these skin-tight leggings underneath them. And it's like, in that way, you can't see my nakedness. Let me ask you something. Is skin-tight pants modest? Is skin-tight pants, you know, just, well, if we can see everything in your body, hey, that's not modest. And you can say, well, well, I'm not showing my nakedness, but you're still not modest. And here's why, you know, I, I'm, I'm against women wearing these leggings with these long shirts or whatever. Because here's what happens, you know, you put that on in the winter, but in the summer, you know, now it's hot, the leggings go, but the skirt's still short. 
The leggings go, but you're still exposing your thigh. I don't think they're modest. And here's what you got to say. When you dress, when you dress, you got to ask yourself, am I dressing in a way that is modest? When you dress, you got to ask yourself, am I dressing in a way that's covering my nakedness? Am I exposing my thigh? Am I exposing myself? And you've got to answer that in regards to the way that God answers it. What does God define as nakedness? Number one, we have clothing principle number one, dress for modesty. Number two, clothing principle number two, dress to cover your nakedness. Number three, clothing principle number three, you got to dress for identity. Dress for identity. Go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. And by the way, if you dress the way that God tells you to dress, you will be different from this world. If you dress the way God tells you to dress, you will be separated from this world. You will not look like this world. You will not look like the fashions of this world. And again, we're not saying dress ugly. We're not saying dress, you know, in a way that's not, that's not pretty or beautiful for the ladies, you know. The, the, the virtuous woman dressed in a very beautiful attire, but yet she was modest. She dressed in very beautiful attire, but yet she covered her nakedness. And by the way, ladies, just let me help you out. We, we live in a society that has told you the only value you have is your body. We live in a society that has told you, that's brainwashing our young girls. You know, every billboard they drive by tells them that the only value there is to you is your body. And the only value there is to you is if you can bring you know, a man's attention to your body. Listen to me. First of all, that body belongs to God. That, that's the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. And you're not your own, but you're bought with a price. It's not your body to show off and to you know, show to this world. But, but, but even more than that, there's more value to you than just having guys look at you. Amen. And you ought to respect yourself and respect your body and respect the God who your body belongs to. Number one, we had a dress for modesty. Number two... We had a dress to cover nakedness. Number three, we had a dress for identity. You say, what do you mean by dressing for identity? God desires for there to be a difference between the male and the female. God says that in the beginning, he made them male and female. Now again, we live in a society today. I keep referring to the metrosexual society that we live in today. I think it's funny. These guys that, you know, get their hair done. You know, these guys that get manicures and pedicures or whatever. You know, and, and here's what God is doing. Here, God, good night. Here's what the world is doing. Here's what Satan is doing. He's trying to blur the lines between the male and the female. Who's ever, who's ever been at a store, at a Starbucks or somewhere, and you, you see two things holding hands, and you don't, you don't know which one is which? I'm not sure if that's the male or the female, or if it's two males or two females. I mean, they, just, they look the same. And the agenda today is to have a unisex agenda bringing the male and the female together. Here's what you understand. God designed for there to be a difference between male and female. Let me prove it to you. Are you there in 1 Corinthians chapter 11? Look at verse number 3. Might as well look at it. Might as well look at it. You're not going to come back anyway, so just look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Look at verse number 3. 1 Corinthians 11, 3. Notice Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. I want you to see it. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, look at verse 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the, man is, and the, head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Okay, so let, let's go through it slowly to make sure we don't lose anybody. According to the Bible, the head of every man is what? Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. That's not popular either, but that's what the Bible says. And the head of Christ is God. All right, verse 4. Every man, that's male, 
praying or prophesying, having his, that's a male, head covered, dishonoreth his head. Now, who's his head? Christ. So if a male is praying or prophesying with his head covered, he dishonors Christ. He dishonors his head. So what is that teaching us? It's teaching us this. It is wrong for a man to have his head covered, right? You still with me? Look at verse 5. But every woman, now we're talking about females, that prayeth or prophesies with her female head, notice the difference, uncovered, dishonoreth her head. Who's her head? Her husband. For that is even all one, I want you to notice this phrase, underlining in the Bible, as if she were shaven. Here's what, he, here's what she, he's saying. It's wrong for a man to have his head covered, and it's wrong for a woman to have her head uncovered. And then he makes this analogy. He says if a woman wants to have her head uncovered, then she might as well, as if she were shaven, he says she might as well just shave her head. She might as well just cut it all up. What does it mean to shave your head? To remove hair by removing, uh, uh, by, by using a razor, by removing hair close to your skin. Look at verse 6. For if the woman be not covered, if she be not covered, notice, let her be shorn. What does the word shorn mean? It means having a, a haircut or a clip, like a military haircut. Uh, it, you know, my, my hair would be considered shorn. What that means is it's short enough to where you don't have to comb it. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like the rest of the guys here. I just got to get up and go, you know. And uh, I don't have to put anything in my hair. I have to comb my hair. And I don't think there's anything wrong with a guy combing his hair or, or having, you know, doing those things. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But here's what God is saying. If she's going to have her head uncovered, then you might as well just, you know, get, get a buzz cut. Just cut, cut your hair. Either shave it or cut it to a place where you can't even do anything with it. He says, let her also be shorn. But, now notice, don't miss this, verse number six. But if it be a shame. You see the word shame? For a woman to be shorn or shaven. He said, ladies, if it would be embarrassed for you to walk into church next Sunday with a shaved head. If it would be embarrassing for you to walk into church tomorrow morning or next Sunday morning with a, with a buzz cut. He said, if you don't desire that. He said, he said if, the, if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be, what's it say? Covered. Okay, so here's what he said. Men, don't uncover your head. Women, make sure your head is covered. And if you want to be uncovered, then just go ahead and get a buzz cut. Go ahead and get and shave all of it off. Look at verse 7. For a man, that's the male, indeed ought not to cover his head. A man should not cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman uh, to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is a man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. By the way, no, one is not better than the other. Male is not better than female. Female is not better than male. It's just where God created different beings. They have different roles. Look at verse uh, 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 13. Judging yourselves. Now, I want you to see this. 13. Judging yourselves. Is it comely? Now, now, notice that word comely. Underline that word comely. Here's what the word comely means. Pleasing in appearance or attractive. He said, is it comely? Is it pleasing in appearance? Is it attractive that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Now again, what was the equivalent to having your head uncovered? He said, shave your head. He said, show your head. Okay, so ladies, let me ask you a question. Is it attractive? Is it pleasing for a woman to have a shaved head? Is that something that you would say, I'd like, I'd like to have my hair like that? I'd like to look that way? 
He said, is it comely that a woman uh, uh, have her head, uh, um, woman pray unto God uncovered? Look at verse 14. Doth not even nature itself teach you? Now, you say, well, what does this mean to have your head covered, your head, head uncovered? I don't understand. God is getting close to explaining to us uh, what this all means, and it will make sense for you here in a minute. Look at verse 14. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a, there's our word again, shame unto him. Right? God says men ought not have long hair. God says that men ought to have short hair. Now look, I know today, you know, the, the stars in Hollywood, all these guys got their long, wavy hair, you know, and it's so nice. And, and even guys say, well, pastor, you know, even these big, burly, you know, Hell's Angels guys have long hair. Look, it doesn't matter what our society says. The Bible says, doth not nature itself teach you that it is a shame for a man to have long hair? God says men ought to have short hair. God says men ought not have their heads covered. Look at verse 15. It all makes sense. But if a woman have long hair, if a woman have long hair, it is glory to her. Now notice, don't miss this, don't miss this. For her hair is given her for a covering. What did God give a woman for her covering? According to 1 Corinthians eleven fifteen, 15. Her hair. So when God says, hey, guys, don't cover your head, he says, don't have long hair. He says, have your head uncovered. He's telling them to cut their hair, to have it short. And then he tells the women, he says, don't have your head uncovered. He said, in fact, if you want to have your head uncovered, then go ahead and just shave all of it. He said, go ahead and just shorten it. Now, we, we understand that there's people who maybe go through medical procedures and things of that nature that, that, that lose their hair. We're not talking about that, but we're, having, we're talking about this style of these butch women out there that want to cut their hair to look like a man. And God says, no, 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 no. I want men and women to be different. He said, I want one to have short hair. He said, I want the other to have long hair because I want them to look differently. I want you to be, uh, to be able to uh, identify them. So what does Satan say? He tells the women, hey, you know what? Just cut your hair kind of short. Just kind of have it, have it kind of shaggy. And then he tells the guys, just let your hair grow out a little bit. Just let it be kind of shaggy. Both of you put these little tight skinny pants on. I think skinny, skinny pants are funny because they make you look fat. It's like, what's the point of the skinny pants, you know? Both of you put these skinny pants on, and both of you just have jewelry on so that Pastor Jimenez can walk into Starbucks and, and, and have a preaching illustration and say, I wonder which is which because they look the same. Because God says that I want men to have short hair, and I want Women to have uh, long hair. And by the way, this is why at Verity Baptist Church, we don't practice head coverings. So I often get asked this question, you know, do you guys have head coverings? I say, well, my wife has head covering. It's her hair. Because that's what God said. 1 Corinthians eleven fifteen. But if a woman have long hair, it is the glory of her. For her hair is given her for a covering. That's what the Bible says. Go to Deuteronomy 22. Deuteronomy 22. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 22. Let's go ahead and finish it. Deuteronomy 22, and don't, don't let that mislead you. We're not even close to being done, but let's, um, let's just go ahead and keep going. Deuteronomy 22, look at verse 5. And here's a question I want to ask those of you that say, ah, Pastor Jimenez, you're so crazy. I can't believe you'd preach this. I don't believe that. Here's a question I have for you. Does it even matter what the Bible says? I mean, does it matter what the Word of God says? Why would you want to go to a church that just ignores the Bible? 
that just pretends like it doesn't exist, that doesn't teach you, that doesn't tell you, hey, here's what God says about the issues of life. Deuteronomy 22, look at verse 5. Let's take it a step further. We had to dress, number one, we talked about modesty. We had to dress uh, to cover our nakedness. But we're talking about dressing for identity. The first way the Bible teaches us, or the first way I showed you the Bible teaches us to dress for identity is that men are to have short hair and women have to have long hair. And don't come and ask me, well, how long is long and how short is short? I'm not going to sit here and become a Pharisee and tell you, you know. In the military, they told us if your hair is such in your ear, it's long. So I don't know. If the United States Air Force is good enough for you, then, then, then take that, you know. I, I don't know. Here's, the, here's what, I, uh, what I tell people. If you, if you would look at someone and say, that guy has long hair, then it's long. And if you would say, that girl has short hair, then it's short. And whatever that standard is, and that's what the standard is. God didn't tell us, you know, give, a, give us measurements. But uh, look at Deuteronomy 22, look at verse 5. Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. Here's another way that God tells us he wants men and women to be different. Deuteronomy 22, 5. The woman, are you there? I want you to see it. Deuteronomy 22, 5. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. God says, I don't want a woman to wear, now we're not talking about hair, we're talking about clothes. He said, I don't want a woman to wear that which pertaineth unto men. Now, here, now if you are an a honest student of the Bible, here's what you must agree on. According to the Bible, there is clothing that pertains unto a man that a woman shall not wear according to Deuteronomy 22.5. I mean, is that true or not? Amen. I mean, I don't, think, I don't see how you can disagree with that without just having a preconceived idea and not caring what the Bible says. Now look at what it says, just to make it clear. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. Again, we have a statement. There is a garment that belongs to a woman that God says a man should not wear. Is that not what it says? Is that not what the verse says? For all that do so are, now notice this, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. God and by the way, the word abomination is not used a lot in Scripture. Most famously, it's used about the sodomites. And God calls a homosexual an abomination. And he says it's not right. And here God tells us that if a woman puts on that which pertains unto a man, or if a man put on, puts on a woman's garment, that it is an abomination. Now, just, you know, off of a, just, just looking at it from far away and, and looking at it, you say, well, well, yeah, God is against cross-dressing. Okay, but here's what I want you to, here's what I want you to answer, okay? We all agree with this. A woman is not supposed to wear that which only pertains to a man, right? It says the woman shall not wear that which pertains unto a man. So here's the question I have for you. What's the clothing that only pertains to a man? I mean, we have to answer that question, don't we? He says, hey, women, don't put on the clothing that pertains only to a man. So here's the question I have for you. What is the clothing that only pertains to a man? Is it sunglasses? Is it socks? Is it shoes? I'm not being silly. I'm asking the question, what is it? What is the clothing that only pertains to men? Maybe it would be easier to answer this way. God says that there are clothing that only women should wear and men should not wear. What, maybe it would be easier to answer that question. What is the clothing that a woman should wear that a man should not? I think we would all agree that if a guy walked in here today in a nice flowery dress, we'd all think that's weird. If a guy walked in in a skirt, we'd say, hey, listen, buddy, you, you want the church down the street. This is a very Baptist church. I think you're lost. Because we're not, and by the way, we're not going to allow a guy to walk in here with a dress, all right? We'll throw him out. We'll get some 12-year-old girls to throw him out. But, you know, the, the answer is this. The question is this. Is it right for a man to put on a dress? 
Is it right for a man to put on a skirt? No. So we would all agree that the clothing that, that only belongs to a woman is a skirt, is a dress. Now, the question is this. God said, God said, there's clothing that only pertains to a man. And a woman should not wear it. Now, here's a question I got to ask you. In the Bible, what do men wear? In the Bible, what do men wear? Well, let's look at the Bible and see what the Bible says. Go to Exodus 28, look at verse 42. Because remember, the Bible has the answers to everything. See, I don't have to sit here and tell you, well, you know, and this year, I don't, have to, I don't have to go Google anything or Wikipedia anything. I just look at the Word of God. What does God say? So what, is, what do men wear in the Bible? Exodus 28, look at verse 42. We already saw it, but let's look at it again. Exodus 28, 42. And thou shalt make unto them linen. He's talking about male priests. Thou shalt make unto them linen breeches. What are breeches? They're breeches. The modern day spelling would be B-R-I-T-C-H-E-S. What are britches? Knee-length trousers. You ever heard somebody say, that guy's getting a little too big for his britches? Okay? They're pants. In, all the way in Exodus 28, all the way in the time of Moses, the priests wore pants. And you got pictures, you know, drawn by a bunch of sodomites in the Renaissance, showing Jesus walking around in a dress. And you say, well, I thought everybody would just wore dresses in the time of Jesus. All the way in the time of Moses, they were wearing britches. And by the way, that's the same picture that showed Jesus with long hair. Well, I thought Jesus had long hair. I just read to you a verse in the Bible that says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. You think Jesus would have long hair? You know, and you, you got to understand, that was, that was drawn. That, Jesus did not pose for those pictures, okay? Those are not accurate paintings of Jesus, okay? And let me prove it to you. Everybody has their own rendering of Jesus. I, I think it's funny, you know, I hope this isn't offensive, yeah, I think it's funny, I go soul winning, you know, we go soul winning all the time, sometimes people invite me into their house, and I go into Christian's house, and it's funny, you know, you walk into somebody's house, they got a picture of Jesus, and he's got blonde hair, and blue eyes, and he looks like Leonardo DiCaprio, and I'm like, I thought Jesus was a Jew, and then you walk, and then you walk into black people's house, and Jesus is black, he's got an afro. You walk into Hispanic's house, and now he's a Mexican. And it's like, wait, 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 you know, we can't just make Jesus whatever we want. You think I'm joking? I'm not. You know it's true. Because here's the thing. Jesus is not posed for those pictures. Okay? Je- we don't know what Jesus looked like, and that's, and that's for a reason. But I can tell you this. He didn't have long hair. That's why when, when you say, Jesus appeared to me. Did he have long hair? He did. That wasn't Jesus. I don't know who it was in your room at night, but it wasn't Jesus. Might want to be careful about that. But anyway, <laughs> Exodus 28, 42. What did men in the Bible wear? I'll answer it for you. They wore britches. So, well, that's just one reference. In the... Okay, let's look at another one. Leviticus chapter 6. Look at verse 10. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 10. You're there in Exodus? Just one book over. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 10. Leviticus 6, 10. And the priest shall... I want you to see it. Leviticus 6, 10. And the priest shall put on his linen garments... And his male linen, what? Breeches. Breeches. What did the male men wear in the Bible? They wore breeches. Go to Leviticus 16. Look at verse number 4. You're there in Leviticus 6. Just flip a few pages over. Leviticus 16. Look at verse 4. Notice what he says. Leviticus 16, verse 4. He shall put on the holy linen coat. Notice he's talking about how he had a dress. The holy linen coat. He shall have on the linen, what? Breeches upon his flesh. He shall have on breeches upon his flesh, and shall be girded with a linen girdle. That's talking about a belt. You know, some of you moms and dads ought to teach your kids to 
pick up their pants and put on a belt. Because the men in the Bible wore girdles. Jesus wore a girdle in re- referring to a belt. It's a belt or a sash, something worn around the waist to keep your pants up. And with the linen mitra, that's a hat, shall he be attired. These are the holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water and uh, so put them on. Go to the book of Ezekiel. Remember we were in Isaiah just so long ago? Go past Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. I know we're looking at a lot of verses, but we've got to look at them. So you can know what the Bible says, so you can go study it for yourself. Ezekiel 44, look at verse 18. Ezekiel 44, verse number 18. Ezekiel 44, verse 18. Ezekiel 44, verse 18. Notice what the Bible says. Let me, let me turn myself. Ezekiel 44.18 says, They shall have linen bonnets upon their heads, that's referring to a hat, and shall have linen breeches upon their loins. Consistently all throughout the Bible, from, from, from the time of Moses to Ezekiel, man in the Bible, the priest in the Bible, the male priest wore breeches, wore pants. Let me give you one more example. You're there in Ezekiel, flip one book over to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter number 3. Daniel chapter number 3, look at verse 21. Daniel 3.21. Daniel chapter 3, verse 21. Notice what the Bible says. Daniel 3, 21. Daniel chapter 3, verse 21. Then these men were bound in their coats. Remember the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were going to get thrown into the fiery furnace. And the Bible describes for us here what they were wearing. Notice, these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats. Okay, now what, what is hosen? Hosen is an old Germanic word used in both German and modern English to mean pants. And we don't really use that word today. But what were these young men wearing when they got thrown into the fire? They were wearing, they were wearing pants, hosen. It says they were, uh, then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, their hats, their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fire furnace. Here's what I would submit to you this morning. In the Bible, consistently all throughout the Bible, you find men wearing pants, breeches, hosen. Guess what you don't find in the Bible? Any reference to a woman wearing pants. Because... History would just tell you that women putting on pants is a modern thing. It just happened in the 20th century. For thousands and thousands of years, men had short hair, women had long hair, men put on pants, women put on dresses, and it's a modern thing. And people say, well, well, there's these societies that, you know, men wore uh, dresses and skirts. If you go back and look at the societies where it was fashionable for men to wear skirts, you'll find societies that were riddled with sodomites. Well, they had these toga parties, sodomites. And by the way, the only people that are putting on, the only men that are putting on dresses, sodomites, or guys that are admiring sodomites and think it's cool to look like a sodomite and walk like a sodomite and act like a sodomite. Hey, listen, I want to raise a generation of young men. I want my boys to grow up and look and act like men. I want my boys to know how to walk. I want them to know how to shake hands firmly and look someone in the eye. I want them to walk like men and look like men and have responsibility like men. And I want my girls to be feminine. And I want them to be beautiful. And I want you to be able to look at her and say, there is a beautiful Christ-like young woman. But today, society says, let's just unite them all. Let's just put women in pants. And by the way, there's coming the day. It's already happening. There's coming a day when it will be acceptable for men to walk around in dresses. It's true. It's already happening. If men should not wear skirts, then women should not wear pants. Period. 
This is what God teaches. People act so weird. Like when you preach this, they're like, I can't believe you would say this. Let me, let me just read, read to you some facts, okay? The history of pants. When did women start wearing pants? Men have been wearing pants uh, since Bible days, as we saw. And it wasn't until the 20th century that women began to wear pants. When did it happen? During World War I, women wore their husbands' trousers while they took on jobs previously assigned to men and increasingly wore trousers as leisure wear in the 1920s and 30s. And for a period in the 1970s, trousers became quite fashionable for women. Throughout history, trousers have been largely worn by men and not by women until the early 20th century. This is not an independent fundamental Baptist. This was Wikipedia. In 1989, in 1989, California State Senator Rebecca Morgan became the first woman to wear trousers in the U.S. Senate. 1989 was the first time a woman wore pants in the U.S. Senate. But today people are like, women have been wearing pants all the time. It's not true. Hillary Clinton was the first woman, go figure, to wear trousers in an official U.S. First Lady portrait. The first woman to wear a pair of pants. Hillary Clinton. I don't know about you. Hillary Clinton's still alive. It's not that long ago. And people, you know, and people, and, and by the way, let me, let me go, go ahead and say this. I got to cover all my base. I'm not against you women if you wear pants. I'm, you, you can, you know, please stand up right now and attest in front of the entire church if you have ever ran into Pastor Jimenez or his wife at the store and you were wearing pants and we were unkind to you or we mistreated you or we treated you in a bad way. Never happened. You can come to our church wearing pants and no one will mistreat you. We're not, ta- we're not talking about having a, a critical spirit. Now, you guys, if I run into you with a skirt and high heels, we may have some words. Okay? Just saying. But we're not doing this to be critical. We're not saying, like, look at these women out of their dress. I'm just trying to tell you what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. And let me just prove the point, okay? Let's say you were out, you know, just overseas somewhere in some country. You don't speak the language. You're at a restaurant. You have to use the restroom. They tell you the restroom's that way or whatever. You walk up. You see two doors. One's for male. One's for female. And you see these two signs. Which one do you go into? You don't speak the language, so you don't know which one says male or female. Which one do you go into? How do you know which one's male or female? What if you see these two signs? Which one's male or female? How do you know that? You don't speak the language. It's the universal sign of male and female. It's been like this for thousands of years. And you preach this today, and people go, wow, that's crazy. I can't believe that anybody's... And I'm here to tell you, there's coming a day, I believe there's coming a day, when my sons or somebody, some young you know, child alive today is going to stand up as a 30-year-old man and preach in the Bible that it's wrong for men to put on skirts. And people will be like, well, I can't believe someone would ever say that. Because there was a time in our society when women never put on pants. It was a shame. But that's changed. And it will continue to change. Because there's a unisex sodomite agenda uniting the sexes, the transgender movement of today, the feminist movement of today is trying to blur the line between male and female. Blur the line between, and, here, and you say, well, 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 why should a woman never put on, here's why a woman should never put on a pair of pants, because the Bible says so. And you've got to answer the question, Deuteronomy 22.5, what is the clothing that pertains only to a man? If you're a Bible-believing Christian, you must answer that question. What is the clothing that only pertains to a woman? And let's keep them on the male and female. Number one, clothing principles. You got to dress for modesty. 
Number two, clothing principles. You got to dress to cover your nakedness. Number three, clothing principles. You got to dress for identity. This is what the Bible teaches. I don't know if it feels like, oh, the Bible doesn't talk about how you dress. I think we looked at a lot of verses today. And, and don't leave here and say, well, that's what Pastor Jimenez said, so I guess that's what... No, look, why don't you study it out for yourself? Why don't you go home and look at the references, read it in their context. This sermon will be uploaded on our website probably tomorrow. Why don't you listen to it again? Look, stop it. Look at it. Look at the verses and decide. And here's the thing. If you walk away, if you walk away saying... He's an idiot, and I don't care. I'm just going to keep my pants on, and I'm a woman. Hey, listen, I don't really care. I'll be honest with you. I care about you. I love you. I'm praying for you. What you do is between you and God. I will not stand before the judgment seat of Christ for how you dressed. I will not stand before the judgment seat of Christ for what you did in your life. I will only answer for what I did in my life. But here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be a Christian who actually cares what the Bible says. And I'm thankful for the ladies in our church that say, you know what, it does matter what the Bible says, and I'm going to dress the way God tells me to dress, and I realize that it might make me look different. It might, I realize that it might make me look you know, peculiar. I realize that it might not, I might not look exactly the way that the entire world looks like, but here's the point. That's the point. Come out from among them. And be ye separate, say the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. So when it comes to our dress, dress for modesty. When it comes to our dress, dress to cover your nakedness. And when it comes to our dress, dress to identify male and female. Because that's what God says. Inspire our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly